you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. In order to support our show, we'll need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we'll need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com slash sticks. Take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little bit better. That way we can show advertise just how great our listeners are. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash sticks. Thanks for your help. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky together again in studio uh, day before we're uh, heading out to Indianapolis for a little scouting combine time. Buck, what's up? Whew. A lot of film work trying to make sure we get it all buttoned up before we get to Indy. Uh, Indy is my favorite time of the year, and it's not just because we get a chance to it's watch. It's because of Ruth's Chris every night. I mean, I'm going to go to Ruth's Chris. Like, <laughs> I mean, you, you may not know this, but I will I, – if I could put Every night. Phone. No, not every night. But I did go to Open Table. I did make a few reservations <laughs> in advance just to make sure I could get in. So maybe three out of the seven or eight days that I'm there. Yeah, you hit it up. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's on the agenda. There you go. But no, this – to me, it's exciting, not because we get a chance to watch all these prospects, but this is the NFL convention. This is the one time where everyone is in one location where you can talk to everybody about the trends, what they learned from 2018 season, what is going to happen. And so I'm just looking forward to having those conversations and just kind of to see where the game is going to go. Yeah, no doubt. It's a, it's a fun week. I enjoy it. I mean, just getting a chance to see all these guys, these underclassmen we haven't seen. You know, saw some of the top guys at the Senior Bowl. Uh, but these underclassmen who make up the guts of just about every draft class over the last few years, this will be our first chance to see them kind of all together, uh, get official heights, weights, get the 40s on these guys. It's fun. People always ask me, what's your, uh, what's your favorite part of the combine on the field? And, look, let's not make this more complicated than it is, Buck. It's fun to watch fast guys run fast. Uh, I mean, absolutely. Like, that's that's why we like to see it. It's a track meet. It reminds me of those high school and college track meets that I participated in. Everyone's kind of running around waiting for the moment to see the gun go off. And for us, the marquee event is obviously the 40-yard dash. Everyone wants to see, as you say, fast guys run fast. And so when you think about fast guys running fast and then jumping high and being explosive, and then you want to see them move around. But really, 
it is appreciating some of the athleticism that some of these guys bring. No doubt. We're going to uh, do a quick preview here in a little bit on the offensive side of the ball, what we're looking forward to seeing uh, from each position and maybe who has the most at stake in these workouts at each position. So we'll get that to you in just a moment. But hot off the press, Buck, got a new updated top 50 oh, list. Oh, man. And apparently people are people are talking about it a little bit, according I mean, according I mean, to you on your drive-in People this are definitely talking about it because I was coming in, listening to Sirius NFL Radio, Bob, Papa, and Charlie Weiss were on, and they couldn't stop talking about Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray being your number one quarterback, Kyler Murray making noise, and why would Kyler Murray be – the best quarterback in this class. And so when you had some of the concerns that they expressed about the height, they just want to know, why Kyler Murray? Why is Kyler Murray the number one quarterback in this draft? Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you that right now. We'll also get in and, uh, and give you the top ten list, which neither of these quarterbacks ended up in the top ten. Kyler Murray, 14. Dwayne Haskins, I believe, is 18 on the list. But why Kyler Murray over Haskins? I've had Haskins over Murray. My two big concerns that we've talked about before with Kyler Murray um, – Number one was commitment and focus on football. That was the biggest issue I had with him at the very top. You can flirt with baseball, come on. You can try and play both sports, no chance. I'm not taking a quarterback in the first round. I don't even know if he's committed to my sport. So that, to me, was something he had to handle, and he did. He, he wrote that check to the A's, and he is done with baseball. He's all in on football. So that kind of answered a concern I had there. The other concern I had was bulk and durability. Not the height. You know, we can get into the height in just a second, but to me it was more the bulk. Is this guy 180 pounds, 185 pounds? He's not going to physically hold up. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, now Peter King this morning says 206. Muscle man. Muscle man. Low, low which, 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 by the way, which, by the way, <laughs> and people will say, you know, who knows? Did he play at 195 and now he's 206? I, I don't know what he played at. We'll see what he weighs. All I know is I remember going through USC. Um, you might have been there at this time, too, when uh, when Tyron Smith was coming out. Oh, yeah. In the fall, Buck, 279. Yeah. At the combine, 316, 319, whatever he was. I was like, okay. He was massive. All right. Now, here's the trick, and here's kind of like where you can really tell where Kyler Murray was. Does he run? Does he run? That's the question. Does he run at 206? Because if he goes out there at 206 and he runs, let's just say he runs sub 4-5. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Now you're Scooting. Like, yeah, he is – He's getting up out of there because, remember, everyone judges these quarterbacks and they would judge him off of Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson ran four five seven at the combine. And Russell Wilson, I would tell people this, he was not the runner that Kyler Murray was in college. Like, Russell no. Wilson kind of evolved. He was an extend, extend the plays, get what's there runner. Yeah. Kyler Murray's a home run hitter. He's a runner. home run hitter. And, you know, so if this guy at 206 or 200-plus pounds runs sub four five, and then he throws it like we think he's going to spin it, Oh, it's going to change the conversation. He's definitely going to be kind of the buzz coming out of the combine. All right, so going back to, to Kyler Murray over Haskins, uh, one of the interesting things going back through my notes, talking to uh, different people uh, about these quarterbacks, you'll get wild range of opinions. One of the best lines I thought on Kyler Murray was uh, somebody told me he's the ultimate recess quarterback. That's what he said. And I said, okay, look, he can do that stuff, but I've seen him play on time and function within the offense. I've seen him hang in the pocket, work through progression. I've seen him squeeze whole shots in, which are big boy throws on the sideline between a corner and a safety against cover two. Um, he can make every single throw you want to make. I thought the the game where everything kind of collapsed in on him in, in the Alabama game in the first half, he, that would concern me a little bit. So, okay, it's collapsing. Looks like he's almost in a well. Can he see? He struggled. I thought he was a little anxious and jittery trying to get out of there prematurely. Then he settled in. He was able to settle in, and then he ended up moving the ball up and down the field, scoring a bunch of points. Now, I keep coming back to this. 
if Kyler Murray had Clemson's defense, would that have bought him the time to be able to work through that, figure it out? He goes on and they end up beating Alabama. If his numbers were what they were, throw over 300, rush for over 100, we'd be talking about it like we were talking about Deshaun Watson kind of getting that big-time buzz coming out of that game. So it's an interesting evaluation. When I compared him to Haskins – Haskins played great the last three games. He took his game up. He elevated himself in a big way. And I saw your tweet um, saying how all these different boxes that he checks, absolutely, the size, arm strength, um, toughness, being able to rise to the occasion on the big stage. I, I And I like Dwayne Haskins. I'm not saying I have these guys way far apart. Mm-hmm. But there's some concerns I have with his ability to move and get himself out of some trouble, especially when you consider where the offensive line play is in the NFL at this point in time. The young quarterbacks that have had success over the last five years have been able to move a little bit, and they can buy themselves time. Eventually, they're going to get to the place mentally where you can navigate some of that with your mind. Like you see, you know, we saw Peyton Manning do that. We see Tom Brady do that. See Phillip Rivers do that. Not real mobile guys, but they overcome that because they're so mentally in tune with the game. But that comes with experience. It's tough to get to that point without being able to move around and survive early on until you gain that experience. I know Haskins is a really, really bright dude, and he will eventually figure that out. But that, to me, is my concern. Look, I I think those are valid concerns. Um, I I, I think this about the quarterback class, and I believe these two guys have a bit of a separation between the other guys that are in the quarterback Mm -hmm. class. Um, As it relates to Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, I have them flipped. But I can share with you the love affair that I have with Kyler Murray when it comes to what he brings to the table. Now, there are a lot of people out there that are huge Baker Mayfield fans. Mm -hmm. And Baker Mayfield was the number one pick. Like, we've talked about the challenges that we had in terms of viewing him as the number one player in last year's draft class just based on what we knew prior to the time. In terms of how we – Not a prototype. Not a prototype. Wasn't that. But now that he is gone, he's kind of opened the gateway for others to go. And so what a better time than to do the comparison between Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray because you get an opportunity to see these guys in the same offense mm-hmm. under the same coaching to evaluate and look at what they had. Look, Baker Mayfield for a time had D.D. Westbrook and some others. Like Kyler Murray had Hollywood Brown. Like mm-hmm. so you, you can see – Baker it. had Hollywood last year too. Yeah. You, you know, like so, so you get a chance to, to look at that. And I'm looking at Baker Mayfield's last year, completed 74 – 70.5% of his passes, 4,600 yards, 43 touchdowns, only six interceptions. From a running perspective, he had 300 yards. Kyler Murray, 69% of his passes, 4,300 passing yards, 42 to 7 touchdown interception ratio, 1,000 <laughs> rushing yards. Yeah. And so when people are talking about, well, you know, neither one of these guys are close to Baker Mayfield, I'm like, I mean, I. I don't know. I got a guy that just played in it, and the production is the same, and he brings a different dynamic and a different dimension. And so there's no reason why Kyler Murray couldn't be a top-five pick in this draft and maybe number one based on what Arizona does. When it comes to Haskins and Murray, for me, the reasons why I have Haskins over Murray, um, some of it comes down to the prototypical things that you look for in a quarterback, like when it comes to the size. Like he just has prototypical size. Uh, We've talked about the way the game is played. Uh, for years and years on end, I've heard you got to be able to win from the pocket. Well, I'm mm-hmm. like, well, this is a traditional pocket pass. Yeah. The best quarterback in the game is Tom Brady. Tom Brady can't move. So maybe there's a place in the league for a guy that can do this. Like everyone has traditionally said that you have to be able to play in the pocket. The guys that have played the position for the last 30 years have been pocket passers. And I just think that this guy's a classic pocket passer. 
He does a great job of getting the ball out. He can layer and do all those things you want to see with the throws. And the one knock, the two knocks that we can have, experience and mobility. And for me, I just think he's a little more refined than Kyler Murray. And if I am a guy that kind of wants a guy that can just play it like I want to play it on the chalkboard, I think Dwayne Haskins is more that guy than Kyler Murray. Yeah, and that's a that's a fair that's a fair argument there. But uh, it doesn't it doesn't mean that if we were putting this on the board, if we were in the draft room and we were putting their stickers on the board, the magnets would be touching. Yeah, like that's how close I think these guys are. Like we could talk about one um, A in my mind, like one A and one B. Would I be comfortable with both of those guys? Either one of those guys being my franchise quarterback? Absolutely, I'm fine with either one. It's just a matter of styles. When we go to the ice cream shop, do you want someone? who can give you the extra stuff where I don't have to be the perfect play caller, or do I want someone who every time I'm going, I got to make sure I dial it up correctly. One of the things that one of the myths, and I don't remember if we talked about this before, but just kind of going back through my notes, getting ready for the combine. One of the myths about Kyler Murray that I do want to destroy here for a quick second, Buck, um, how many times have you heard it said in an early portion of this draft process well, whoever drafts Kyler Murray, you just got to you got to live in the gun, and you just got to play in that spread offense. He's got to play in the gun, right? Let me give you some numbers here, real quick. Ooh. Drew Brees, right? Not very big, right? Baker Mayfield, not very big. Russell Wilson, not big guys. In the NFL last year, Drew Brees, four hundred and forty-seven snaps under center. Oh yeah. Mayfield, two hundred and eighty-eight snaps. Now keep in mind, Mayfield in that same Oklahoma offense, forty-three snaps yep. his last year. Yep. Two hundred and eighty-eight last year with Cleveland Browns. Did pretty good. Uh, Russell Wilson, 300 snaps under center last year. Where is that rank in the NFL? Breeze, fifth most. Mayfield, 19th. Wilson, 26th. All I'm saying is when you have an undersized quarterback, yeah, being in the gun can help you see. Absolutely. You know what else helps you see? Play action where you're about 10 yards from the line of scrimmage and I have space and that allows me to see. So that's why when I look at like the Jags, to me, they they are built to to take somebody like Kyler Murray and absolutely built to do that. And I think if anyone wants to go and they want to talk about Baker Mayfield, you want to look at the last eight games when Freddie Kitchens really took over and started calling the plays. You will notice under center, uh, twelve and thirteen personnel play action on first down. Yes, one running back, two and three tight ends on the field. Heavy play action, uh, max protection deeper drops so he can throw and take shots down the field. That is the way the game is evolving. And so because Kyler Murray is such a dynamic player, I think teams that want to run the stretch bootleg combination like Gary Kubiak has done for Mm -hmm. years, like Kyle Shanahan has done for years, all of those things are in play with Kyler Murray because he's a legitimate threat to go out the back door. So I believe it is overblown about the shotgun thing because the league has become a shotgun league. Mm -hmm. The thing is, he obviously is a world-class athlete. He can play baseball as a first-round pick and football. He can learn how to do those things on the center. I just think it's a matter of are you willing to take what you want to do and say, look, he can't do that maximum play-action stuff. And I think like people have made the kind of assumption with Lamar Jackson. He's far advanced in terms of as a passer, as a passer it's not than, close. than Lamar Jackson. Yeah. But I think – Lamar Jackson could benefit from being under center more mm-hmm. and doing more of those things that Baker Mayfield was able to do. Kyler Murray is a better and more dynamic player, meaning a true dual threat, than Lamar Jackson. And we saw the kind of impact that Lamar Jackson have. I would venture to guess that Kyler Murray could have an even greater impact if he lands in a similar situation. Yeah, and again, this we can talk about and debate Murray versus Haskins. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to fit and plan. Who has a good fit form? Who has a good plan form going forward? And that'll determine whether or not these guys are successful. So that that is out of our control, Buck. So we'll wait and see what happens 
uh, once we get around to the draft. All right, let's uh, let's let's rip off here my top ten, and uh, and then just give me some some thoughts. Give me maybe one or two takeaways here. Number one, uh, no changes here through the first three. Nick Bosa. One, Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle, Alabama. Two, Josh Allen, edge rusher from Kentucky. Three, uh, Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle from Clemson is four. TJ Hawkinson, I'll explain that one after we get done. Five, Josh Jacobs, I believe, stayed right at six, or he was five or six around that range. Um, Ed Oliver, seven, defensive tackle from Houston. Rashawn Gary slides a little bit, I think, from four to eight uh, from Michigan. Devin White from LSU is nine, and Andre Dillard up a couple spots. He's my top offensive tackle from Washington State. That rounds out my top ten. Man, a couple couple different things I have. Um, it is, it's been kind of like a given that Nick Bosa is going to be the number one uh, player in the draft. The only question that I have about Nick Bosa is he has 17 and a half sacks, I think, on his career, and he's never had double-digit sacks um, as a collegian. Are we certain that he is kind of the game-changer that we expect him to be when we compare him to the rest of these guys in the group? I'm not saying that he can't be that guy, but we've kind of kind of locked him in and put him in cement shoes at number one. Is there anything that you think could change to, to make him not be the number one prospect in, in your class? It's interesting. It, we'll see durability and health would be the only thing that would keep him from that for me. Um, I go back and I know we can talk about the sacks, only four sacks this year. He played three games. So he had four oh, yeah, sacks. He yeah, was yeah, on his way to having yeah. – I mean, he would have had double-digit sacks. Last year he started eight games. You know, they rotate a bunch of guys through their yeah. Ohio State, eight-and-a-half sacks, 16 tackles for loss, and took over games. I mean, you go to the, I was at the Cotton Bowl against USC. They took the game over. And even this year in those three games – not the greatest schedule you're ever going to see. Buck, he's getting double and triple teamed every snap, and he's still getting home. Whether or not it's it's sacks or pressures or hits, um, he, he was unblockable when you watch him early in this season. So when I've seen him out on the field, I've seen nothing to tell me that this guy's not going to be ultra, ultra productive. It is an interesting theme, though, in this draft. You know, he starts – you know, three games this year, he's injured. We talked about the quarterbacks being one-year starters. Josh Allen's production had a big spike this year from Kentucky. Yep. Quinnen Williams, one year really as the guy. Josh Jacobs doesn't start at Alabama. Right. So in terms of that history of production, we, we just don't have that at the top there's of this a lot draft. Of, Rashawn Gary's another one. The production doesn't match the talent. There's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to this, and I, I think this is why, one, if we were able to peek into all 32 draft rooms, I think we would see wild fluctuations in terms of where guys are graded and rated and how they kind of stack on the board. Uh, with Nick Bosa, look, I think it's fine. I think it's, it is a valid concern that you have to question about the durability and then what can he be at the top. Let's just say Nick Bosa turns out to be Chris Long. I think Chris Long was the second overall pick when he came out, uh, was a guy who has always been a very solid uh, performer. He has been a pro bowler a couple of times. Um, I think there's some similarities. A lot of it depends on what are your long-term goals because we've talked about in the draft, it's not always about hitting home runs. Yeah, I think we can safely say that Nick Bosa is a nice double who could be a triple, who maybe becomes an inside the park home run, <laughs> like you got Manny yeah. Machado. Man. Uh, oh, Manny Machado. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm glad you talked about in the fairway. So Hawkinson might be the one that raises some eyebrows there, the tight end from Iowa. So two, two points. Number one, I think he's the safest player in the draft. You know, we talk about seeing it over time a little bit. It's a couple years there. The production's not huge. We saw Kittle have no production in this offense and then blow up at the next level. So I know they prepare you to play the game at the next level at Iowa at the tight end position. I see another one there in Noah Fant this year. Dominating run blocker. The best run blocking tight end I've done in a long time. So I know I'm going to get a big-time weapon in the run game. 
I know he's going to catch everything that comes his way. He's going to be a red zone weapon for me. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at young – if I have a young quarterback and I try to find out who, who helps my young quarterback more than anybody else in this draft, and when you look at him being my first skill position player, that's my answer. Well, when you think about the way passing games are built in today's game, they work inside out. More people are throwing inside the numbers. They want to make a, a very, very safe throw for the quarterback, and the tight end can do that. Also, the tight end is the biggest mismatch creator in football. His ability to wear out linebackers and defensive backs, be it with his speed and athleticism or his size and his strength, he can create problems. And the thing about TJ is TJ is the ultimate, that, the ultimate prospect at the tight end position because you're looking for someone who is a dominant blocker someone mm-hmm. who can block at the point of attack and we've talked about rob gronkowski being on that the was the key to their run in my career opinion. but he has been able to dominate the game without even touching the ball mm-hmm. and so when you can find a tight end who is well skilled and is able to really have that part of his game already in place look we talk about kurt ferentz and the things that they've done for years with their offensive line tight end is nothing more than the extension of the offensive line so he is going to come prepared and ready to be a day one starter when it comes to blocking and catching the ball at the backfield I think he is safe and I think he, his value as a top 10 as a top five player is certainly there and that's why I have the running back from Alabama Josh Jacobs right behind him to me skill player wise those two guys help uh, their quarterback more than any other skill guys in the draft and you know if if Hollywood Brown doesn't have the Liz Frank to me, he's in that discussion. Oh, I think so, too. But, but I, I give him a little bit of a nudge down. He, he dropped out of my top 10, not four. I think he's 12 or 13, somewhere in that range. So, um, But those are the guys I think come in right now, and they're a big-time asset to my quarterback. They're a big-time asset, and we've seen what running backs have been able to do when it comes to elevating the play of quarterbacks. They really alleviate the pressure. I think Drew Brees is able to play comfortably in the pocket because he has number 41, Alvin Kamara, who is able to make special things happen as a runner and as a receiver. And Josh Jacobs, I think the biggest thing for me is who does he compare to? Like, who would you say his playing style is reminiscent of? Oh, Kamara. I mean, Kamara is going to be the natural comparison. But you know who my player comp for him is? He works here. Who? Like LaDainian? No. Oh. MJD? MJD. That's who he reminds me of. He's taller, but MJD, MJD. How, just that powerful, that, that short area burst – uh, a little bit slippery. Don't be mad catch at, the ball. Don't, don't be mad at me, MJD. We're talking about MJD in the middle of it playing, not the MJD that we see walking. <laughs> oh, come on. Like it's, hard, it's hard for me. MJ, he was – and, and we know how good he was. Oh, he was, he was terrific. And he to me, terrific. that's what this kid reminds me of. Just he, MJD was a little ball of just a little dynamite, a little ball of, of energy. explosiveness. Look, look, and the biggest thing with MJD was – and I made this mistake when I graded him coming out of UCLA. Don't confuse height and stature – He's not small. small. Yeah, he's not small. He's not a small. He's power-packed. Like, we talked about Calamari being pocket Hercules. MJD was really pocket Hercules. Mm. He was short, but he was compact. He was thick. He was physical. He could run inside and outside. And he gave you the Catch return the stuff. He, and, and, return. and we see the returns with Jacobs as well. And the other one I wrote down on my paper was Sony Michelle. He reminds me a lot of what we saw from Sony Michelle last year. Yeah, because Sony Michelle, when you go back and think of it, like Nick Chubb was the guy who was the bell cow. Mm. Sony Michelle was kind of like the icing on the cake. He was the extra stuff they would come in, and you see him jump in and out. And then lo and behold, he goes to the ring, and you're like, oh, he actually can carry it. He can tote the mail. He was a central figure to their running game. And so Josh Jacobs is actually coming in at a time where you really like him. Low mileage, not a lot of tread on the tire. You take him high, you grind him into the thing, and then you discard him. Like He is definitely talented enough to be taken within the first 10 picks. Yeah, no doubt. So that's where I have the, the top 10 there. Um, 
by the way, as we get to this offensive preview here on the combine, Buck, I had one of those moments. Um, it was just over the last couple of days where, yeah, look, there's long, there are long hours you put in getting ready for the combine, watching all this tape. Is that when you had the beard, the beard, the beard in the beard, hair? I was having some fun. My son went to a Sadie Hawkins dance, and they he went as Bob Ross. Oh, the guy that does the painting stuff, and then the the girl was going as an actual painting. Oh, so that was that was a costume thing. So when I saw that thing laying around, I just slapped on that Bob <laughs> Bob Ross costume and said, "This is what uh, what's happened to me. I've just been in the cave watching tape." But I had one of those moments. I don't know if you ever have these in your life. Um, and there's people that are just working their butts off and grinding it outside, digging ditches, doing hard hard work. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have those moments where you're just like, you know, I'm gonna be just take a second here and just go uh how blessed and how cool is it that we just we get we watch football players and talk about football players like go back to when we were kids and buck you you did the ultimate you played in the nfl but if i went back to 10 year old bucky brooks and said uh, this is your job you're gonna watch and talk about players how great is that it is great as my mom and dad would tell you like if you cut my little head open little footballs will come bouncing all about (laughs) because everything that i've been fascinated with and been passionate about since i was seven or eight has been football. So to be around it, uh, to talk about it, to study it, to basically spend the day watching tape each and every day, it doesn't get much better than that. And I think in this process, the evaluation part of it, I, I love so much about it. Like I love looking at the players and projecting what they could be. I do believe scout, scouting at the collegiate level is harder than being a pro scout just because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's apples and oranges. You can look at the are, box score and scout pro players. Yeah, but 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 this is it requires a little more – um, it's nuanced imagination and thinking about what they could be, where they could go, what teams could really enhance them and elevate them. And then you see how teams are playing in college. And I read something, uh, I think Albert Breer put something out on the MMQB talking about Lincoln Riley and why more teams, NFL teams are adopting some collegiate concepts because of the time crunch that you have in terms of developing these players. And you see it. And the more I look at college tape, the more I'm like, yeah, I see that. I see that from the Patriots. Oh, I've seen that from the Rams. I've seen this from a variety of teams. Matt Nagy and the Bears do this. Kansas City. Oh, they did. Make, I wonder if they got this from them. There's a lot of syn- synergy and the mashup between the way schemes are kind of being derived and executed at both levels. And I think this is the perfect time as a young player to jump into the league because now more than ever, coaches are actually willing to try and fit things around what you do well, as opposed to this is my system, you need to learn it, or you won't be here. No, no doubt. It, it makes it uh, makes the whole process fun. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do a little quick preview here. Two questions on each position here, Buck. Player looking forward to watch the most, and uh, who has the most at stake? We'll start at the quarterback position, and let's go outside the big two. We've talked about the big two. Yeah, we two talked about here. them a lot. Uh, let's go find another quarterback, and that makes you looking forward to watch. Well, I'm really looking forward to watching Daniel Jones. And the reason why I'm looking forward to watching Daniel Jones is because I think it started out where Daniel Jones was high. Daniel Jones was kind of considered a guy that could be in a conversation at the top ten. Then we saw him at the Senior Bowl, and you're kind of like, I don't know. He wins the MVP of the game. But now you're still uncertain. Is he really one of those elite tier one prospects at quarterback, or is he a guy that is going to be, as someone said, Alex Smith light, Mm -hmm. Ryan Tannehill light, where has athleticism, Good, not great. If you put him in the right situation with the right people, can he thrive? I kind of want to get a chance to get up under the hood and kind of see what he does in a pressurized environment. How does he perform? Because I think that will speak volumes about what he could be at the next level. 
No doubt. Uh, he's somebody that is going to test well, by the way. I expect him. He's probably going to run the four sevens, low four sevens. Maybe recreate time. the bus. He's going to jump well. He's going to do all that stuff. The, again, I keep coming back to the same point with him. I, look, you don't have to have a rocket arm to be successful in the NFL. You don't have a ginormous arm. But I just want to see a little bit more pop, a little more zip, and uh, we'll see who get the opportunity there in perfect conditions inside in the dome. Uh, see him spin it and see what it looks like stacked up with some of these other guys. So uh, that's a good one. I'm going to go – you know, I want I want to go Ryan Finley because I'm going to cheat him again. Oh, that's nice. You know who I when I was watching Finley, the the name that came to mind. You talked about uh, would you say uh, who were you saying that was light? Daniel Jones was like a uh, uh, Tannehill light. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Tannehill. When Ryan I Ryan Tannehill light. When I watch Finley and look at his six four two oh eight thin frame, I'm like he's kind of he's kind of like a Jared Goff light. That's kind of who he reminds me of. And Goff is a rhythm quarterback, in rhythm on time. I loved our visit we had with Ryan Finley at the Senior Bowl. Uh, so he's intriguing for me. The other one is is Minshew. Um, you talk about uh, you know being light, this, that, or the other. When I watched Gardner Minshew, to me, he's like the ultimate point guard, and he makes caffeine nervous. He is so jittery and spunky <laughs> back there in the pocket. I was looking for comps, and I'm like – you know, this guy reminds me. Remember when Scott Skiles was playing? Not Scott Skiles, a coach. Yes. When Scott Skiles was playing, yes. that's who he reminds me of. He's the it's like a little bus. energy, man. He's, he's, he's fun to watch. Bus. He yeah. is fun to watch. He is the energy bus. They do a great job. Look, man, this guy kind of came out of nowhere to be a legitimate prospect. Goes to Washington State, lights it up. They win a ton of games. Um, nationally ranked, and, and a lot of it is because of his ability to be really what I call a pass-first point guard. He's a poor man's Mayfield, too. That's the other, the right. other one, like just the frenetic. Ball, ball comes out, does all the other stuff, and then we saw. like he, he has a way about him. Guys like playing with him. And so there's something that is intriguing and fascinating about him. Let's just move on to running backs. Who are you looking forward to, Buck? Okay, there's a name that I haven't talked about yet, but at running back, I want everyone to keep their eyes on Trayvon Williams from Texas A&M. Yep. Uh, in this process, a lot of times we kind of get hung up in the top five, the top six, and sometimes guys can slide through the cracks. I think we need to pay attention to Williams because Williams came on like gangbusters at the end of the year at Texas A&M. Ultra productive. Super productive, runs hard, has a physicality and toughness that you like. And you know because you obviously um, have gone down there and talked to Jimbo Fisher and those guys. Jimbo Fisher was trying to establish a level of toughness with that team. And whenever the game got kind of hairy or out of sorts, who did he give the ball to? He gave it to Trayvon Williams. I think that, to me, as an evaluator, I'm like, hmm. At the end of the day, when it gets tough, they hand the ball to Williams. I think he's going to be a guy that we talk about coming out of the combine, and I don't even know how he's going to test. It's going to be uh, it'd be interesting to see. I did not see that elite top-end speed. I thought quicker than fast. The 40 would be big for him. Yep. And people say overrate the 40 time. Nah, it'll be interesting to see how much juice he's going to have. You just want to know how much juice he has. Um, the uh, other small backs I'm looking forward to, we've got some interesting big backs. With you know, We talked about Jacobs is 216 pounds. David Montgomery, same size. You know, Rodney Anderson, unfortunately, is injured, but he's a fantastic yes. player. Um, but some of the 200-pounders I'm looking forward to watching. Daryl Henderson has got some serious juice from Memphis. He can fly yes. uh, watching him. Comparing him, like to me, I have him and Justice Hill. I want to see those guys Ooh, side by side. Who has more juice? Who has more pop? Uh, they're both fun players to study. Justice Hill from Oklahoma State. So who's going to emerge as the winner of the smallbacks? Devin Singletary is the top of that list for me right now from FAU. Um, he's a 200-pounder. So you got to differentiate yourself. You can be a 200-pound back. We saw Philip Lindsay being undersized last year. He had some juice. I think he ran the four threes. He did, wasn't at the combine. It was pro day. He wasn't even invited to the combine. But you want to see some bursts and some juice from a smaller back. Yeah, you do. You want to see some of that. Like, it's funny, man. You brought up that comparison with Philip Lindsay. 
because I do see some of that in, in Singletary's game. Singletary has some of that pitter-pat. Like, he can kind of get in and get out uh, of holes. He's kind of like the, the mouse going through the maze. He can kind of find his way out the back door and did a great job of it for FAU. Um, man, this, this running back class is interesting because you're going to see what we talked about. And I heard, you know, your interview with Bruce Feldman. You talked about the Philip Lindsay bump. Mm-hmm. Philip Lindsay is going to impact how teams evaluate these guys, especially when we get to day three. Because in day on day three, when most of us would be like, ah, oh, we'll get a guy in free agency, I think you'll see more running backs kind of fly off the board sixth and seventh rounds because they don't want to go and be like, where did Philip Lindsay come yeah, from? Yeah. Try and get your guy. Kind of target a couple of guys that you think may have an opportunity to make the league as a, a value-priced uh, prospect. And so Lindsey will have an impact on, on these guys, but he also have an impact on some of the 200-pound running backs because he has so much success as a rookie. Absolutely. Um, anybody else we got there, Buck? I mean, I could go through a long – this is a fun group of running backs. Elijah Holyfield, what he runs will be big. Great note on him. Was the talking, champ. Talking to somebody that went through there that said, uh, you know, what's the background like? He said the coaches love him. He said, in fact, you go out – they talked about just how tough he was. And they said, it, we go out to practice – I won't, if you didn't know who he was, and I told you that the former heavyweight champion of the world has a son on the team, he said, you figure out who it was in about 30 seconds. <laughs> like, okay, all right, I'm in. He's tough, the yeah, toughness. I, I like mean, it. You know, in, in, in this business, when we're doing the background and we're digging in, you're trying to f- find the reasons, as we talked about, red star players. Yeah. Guys who are going to make it. There's something about it that you're standing on the table like, I don't know what, but I know this guy's going to make it. Holyfield's background, the toughness that he has. There's always a place in the league for tough players, tough-minded, physical players to find a way he can give you stuff on special teams. You can create roles for those guys. He is one of those guys that will fall into those categories. And you mentioned kind of our kind of guy. So we look at University of Washington. That's Chris Peterson's thing. He calls them OKGs. OKGs. Looking for OKGs, our kind of guy. They fit us. I don't care what the stars' ratings are, whatever. He's our kind of guy. So and we had red stars when I was in Baltimore, which you were mentioning. So for this draft, Buck, it's kind of a fun process. And this can't let's let's get this on the docket for a pod, maybe after the combine, as we lead up to the draft, It'll be a fun discussion. Um, but I I wrote down MKGs. We're not with teams anymore, right? So just my kind of guy. My kind of guy. MKGs. So I went through each position and I kind of highlighted a couple guys, maybe three or four guys at each position. Some of them are high end guys, other ones are sixth, seventh round guys. But just I want to kind of to just notate. It'll be fun to look back on in, in years from now. And just said, these guys, I would like to have. I would like to be in an organization and bring these types of players in. Mm-hmm. So I went through and highlighted some of those guys along the way. That's a fun podcast we should do. Yeah, Are Brian you, Kelly you, calls them RKGs, right kind of guys. Ah, oh, like, say all, all these coaches. KGs, man. By the way, I I love Bucky's pick about Trayvon Williams. I think he I think he might be the best running back in this draft or close to it. He's really good. Ooh, Interesting. Kid going big, going big. I want to see Put how much. I want to see how much juice he's got. I'll we'll revisit this after the combine here. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Next position here, Buck. Let's go wide receivers. Man, wide receivers. This is a really, really interesting group. Um, I think the guy that I'm most interested in seeing is Riley Ridley from mm. Georgia, and the reason. Oh, please run fast enough. Just please run fast enough. I think he is a really good player, and if I had to compare, it's the best him to route somebody, runner for me. I would compare him to Can't Guard Mike. That's on Twitter. Uh, it's in Mike my Thomas. notes. That's in like, my notes, Buck. Like he, same thing. I think he is a big slot receiver, a guy who is going to get open over the middle of the field. He's tough enough to dig in and block and do those things. But Strong hands. Catch the ball over the middle. And because it's the family business, I think he's just going to have a level of professionalism that is going to allow him to be a guy that contributes and makes significant contributions very, very early in his career. 
I love that. And I think he's the best route runner in the draft. He's my, I think, 30th overall player somewhere in that mix. He's my third Ooh, receiver behind Marquise Brown favorites. and DK Metcalf. I I just – it's one of those deals. You've, we've been there. You give a guy a good grade like this, and you get to the combine. You Come say, on! Don't Come run 4-7. Please don't run 4-7. Hey, but don't worry uh, about it. If, if he's in my area and I got a good grade on don't worry about it. The watch be a little bit quicker? I can take care of it on the pro day. <laughs> yeah, clean that up. <laughs> hey, Rick, clean that up at the pro oh, day. Coach, huh, coach? Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? He was nervous, but at the pro day, he I just got let him. it rip. Yeah, yeah I got that's him. funny because I talked to a scout from another team. Said he had the same exact time was the combine. Oh yeah, no, he was off, he coach. Was he wouldn't. He he had been drinking the night before. He wasn't yeah, paying attention. Yeah. No, that's fine. Uh, to me, a uh, couple receivers that I'm got again. I I go to the combine and I have I look at clumps, Buck, of guys I have the same grade on, and who's going to separate themselves from the bunch. So if you're looking for a speed guy, now different, a little bit different size here between Paris Campbell from Ohio State, who's listed at six one two oh eight. And Miko Hardman from Georgia, who's listed Ooh. at 5'11", 183. So significantly heavier there for uh, for Campbell. Keep this number in mind. Last year, 421 wide receiver carries, the most in modern history. And that's on fly sweeps, right? That's not even counting the shovels from Four. the gun, which count as passes. 421. 421 total wide receiver carries in the league. You know what they average per, per carry? 6.4 yards. Oh, that's good. That ain't going anywhere. Those fly sweeps and uh, jet sweeps, that's going to continue to 6.4 6. 6. yards per carry for wide receivers. So if you're an NFL team, you're trying to find that guy. Who can be my fly sweep, my bubble screen guy like you would in the college game? You're going to find that guy for you at the NFL level. The Rams made a living off this with all those guys. Mm-hmm. We saw Robert Woods take those. Everybody. We saw Cooper Cup, all those guys. Um, so to me, being able to run with the football now is that's that's valuable there for these wide receivers. Both these guys, you pitch them the ball, they're, they're gone. I mean, they have big time juice. Paris Campbell, you can watch him against Michigan, uh, take one of those things to the house on a little speed shovel. Um, so those two guys, they're going to fly, and I'm anxious to see how they catch the ball. Both of them, uh, there's a little bit of concern there with some of the natural hands. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that with those two guys. Paris Campbell. Who's the other guy? I was writing Paris down. Campbell and Nicole Hardman from Georgia. Oh, Hardman, yeah. That's who's got John Brown type juice. Um, instant death is one of the things I wrote down in my uh, in my notes. And he's an outstanding kickoff returner who has some toughness to go along with his speed. You're doing the research to 421. Isn't that interesting? Wide receivers. That is. That's fascinating. Will he be the fastest player at the combine? Nicole Hardman. Danny Isabella might have something to say about that. Big is time he? track speed. Is he? Izzy, Izzy, Izzy. Yeah, I, I got to write something. Uh, thanks for reminding me. I got to write something about the who could, you know, who's going to run the fastest forty article. Every, everyone loves that. Everyone wants to know to track me. They dig into that. Uh, all right. Anyways, uh, there's some uh, receivers. What are you looking at there, Buck? We already we already covered the receivers. Where are we going next? Oh, we got to go tight ends. All right. Who you got? Man, this this man so 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 much. One. I'm going to say this about the tight end class. I think this is the best tight end class it's really in terms good. of the depth that we have seen in a long time. I'm going to talk about the kid from Georgia, Isaac Nada. Yep. And the reason I'm going to talk about him is, I think, look, there are so many mouths to feed at Georgia that I feel like he was underutilized. But I think this is a guy that has some of that Jason Witten stuff in his game in terms of his ability to get open. I don't know how fast he's going to run and all that other stuff, but he is an underutilized asset. When we talk about George Kittle and some of those other guys that have emerged as difference makers at the tight end position, I believe Nada has that potential. It's really a matter of where he goes. And the way teams are using the tight end as kind of a quasi-H-back where he's displaced and doing some of those things, I think you want to use him as a move guy. I think he's going to create some problems on the perimeter. Yeah, no, he's a good player. You watch him really – 
peaking at the end of the year against Alabama. Beat Deontay Thompson for a long touchdown. Um, he's got good speed working in the seam. Mm-hmm. Only my, you know, if you're looking for a question, a lot of cradle catching when I watch him. So sometimes you just wonder how natural the hands Little are. Little body catching. Now I, I, I go back. A lot of these guys I've known. Like he, he was a guy that I've known and I watched. And he's coming out early and. Because of the intel and just watching him grow from being a high schooler to whatever, there's a lot of meat on the bone, a lot of untapped stuff mm-hmm. that people didn't necessarily use at Georgia. There were too I mean, many mouths to feed at Georgia, Buck. They got a million guys. I think we're going to be impressed with his route running ability when we get him on the turf in Indy. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, to me, we'll go with the uh, pairing guys up again. Just from a testing standpoint, what I'm looking forward to watching, Noah Fant from Iowa. Uh, we talked about T.J. Hawkinson at the top. Noah Fant's going to – He's going to blow it out. He's going to run, jump. He's going to be big time uh, tester. And the other one is Dawson Knox from Old Miss, who's going to be close to 260 pounds. And there's some thought he might even he might even go under four five. So he's going to be a fun one to watch. Not a ton of production. They don't throw him a lot of balls there. Uh, but you can see the big too time. many miles to feed. There's too many guys. Yeah, all Ole these. All these SEC teams yeah. have so many guys on the perimeter that they're trying to kind of feed and feature. It's tough. And the other one is, uh, give you one more bonus here, Kahali Waring from San Diego State. He's going to test well, big-time athlete. Uh, man, I felt feel bad for him when you watch him because the quarterback play at San Diego State was not great. I want to throw anybody on the bus there, but he's open a lot, and the ball doesn't get there. Uh, so he'll be one <laughs> he'll be one to uh, keep an eye on there at the tight end position. The ball, right. the ball doesn't make his way to Doesn't him. quite get there. Uh, they're a running team, though. They run the heck out of it there at San Diego State. Stanford South. Uh, even though I think they beat Stanford. They, no, they didn't beat them this year. They beat them last year. Uh, all right. Let's just combine offensive line here. Offensive lineman, give me an offensive lineman or two that you look forward to, uh, to watching. Florida right tackle, Juwan Taylor. He's not going to work out. I know he's not going to work out, but I just want to see him. I just want to see him up close. I know yeah. he had the hamstring issue. Is going to keep him out? But it's a guy that I hadn't talked about, and after watching tape on him, I'm like, man, this guy's playing right tackle. He is much better than the guy on the left oh, side. Oh, it's not even close. It's Come Mont- on. Montez Ivy. Yeah, like, that's a difference like, between a top 15 pick and a 6th, 7th Right, pick. and so I'm sitting there wondering, like, if you're at Florida and every day you're at spring practice, you're at fall practice, and you're looking like, man, our right tackle's really good. I like yeah. tackle struggle a little bit. Yeah. Like, USC's the same him? way. Uh, Chuma Doga is by far their best tackle. He was playing on the right side. Yeah, but you know, I, I wanted to get his name out there because he's a guy that I think we need to monitor beyond the combine. I know we'll talk about the hamstring issue and that'll keep him out. But in terms of his ability at the pro day, I think he's going to dazzle. And we know the one thing about the offensive line, the Mushroom Society, those coaches get together. Oh, yeah, bird a, of a feather. It's a, it's a think tank. Mm-hmm. I think his name will be the one that is buzzing we're beginning to talk about players on path to the draft and the like. So that's why I want to throw his name out there. Yeah, he's my 11th overall player right now. I think he's got a really good shot of going in the top 10. I have Andre Dillard one spot ahead of him, the tackle from Washington State. Those are my, uh, my top two guys there. Uh, a couple other guys to keep an eye on. Caleb McGarry, it's going to be big for him from Washington. 6067, 321 pounds. But he's athletic, man. He, mm-hmm. He's athletic. He can move. He's quick. He's had some uh, health stuff. I believe it's heart stuff. So going to have to get through the medical process would be big for him. But when I looked at kind of upside, what could this guy be at his best? There are some subtle reminders of Andrew Whitworth when he was coming out of LSU. I see the same type of a frame, the same type of demeanor, and Whitworth just got better and better and better throughout his NFL career. That's what you're hoping there uh, for McGarry. So he's one that I'll definitely be keeping an eye on um, at the tackle position. And then if I was going to go inside and just give you one on the interior there, uh, it's a guy we both love, and that's Bradbury from NC State. Love him. He's another one. You talk about doubles, Buck? 
I mean, you can't off go the wrong. wall double. You can't go wrong. If there's any doubt, any hesitation, just take him. In the that's the guy that I'm taking, regardless of whether I have a need for it or not, because I know he's gonna play. He's gonna play for a long time. He's gonna be successful, and he's wired the right way. Heard him talk uh, on an interview over the weekend. He talked about how he knew to play at the next level. He had to make sure that his practice habits were better. So the last two years, he really concentrating on bringing an A-level effort to practice. And so when you hear that from a young guy, like the maturity, the professionalism, and then when you marry that with what we were able to watch at the Senior Bowl, he's a pro. He is the kind of guy that is going to play for a long time. He's going to be the captain of your, your offensive line. He's going to handle all of the communication stuff, and he can play. And so you kind of like when you can check off all of those boxes in terms of leadership, character, and all that, and they have skills when it comes to being able to perform on the field. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch all of these players work out in Indianapolis. Again, you can find our combine coverage, NFL Network, NFL.com. We'll have it every single day. Uh, workouts start Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And, and then we're going to have shows there. Path to the Draft kicking off during the week. Yeah, Path to the Draft. What are we, uh, Wednesday? When, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Like, we're, we're going to be taking care of that. You'll be manning the coverage. You'll be up in the bird, the bird's eye with, with Rich. Doing a, are you? Do you have to nail time, Rich? Are you doing the, I, I, yo, the run, Rich? Run? Like, I, I know to, you. I bought a watch. Things. I had to go. Buy, I haven't had to buy a watch. I've been going to pro days lately, so I had to go buy a watch. Gotta, I don't know. I don't know. Go TBD. Buy a watch. You got to go buy a watch, and you need to have a pinstripe suit because Mayock always had a pinstripe suit on. The I don't day, think so. Mayock owns anything other than so a pinstripe think, suit. So I think you're gonna have to put on the pinstripe suit. You have to put on the pinstripe suit. I think that's the only reason he took the Raiders job, by the way, because that's the only <laughs> suit that he owns was a black pinstripe you suit. Have, you have to do that. So it'll be cool to see you up in, in the perch and CD and Roser uh, doing things on the second level, kind of giving breaks. I'll be manning the post-game coverage, me, Lance, Money. Uh, I think uh, Colleen is also. Yeah, so she's we'll doing some social about, stuff there. So we'll be talking about all that. And then for um, the podcast, I will be running around conducting all kinds of interviews with the players when they're done, so that should be fun. And about some GM interviews, but I get I get the GM interviews. I so I saw the list and I saw the guys that I get a chance to talk to. I get a chance to talk to San Diego's finest, John Tommy. Lynch. Oh, oh, nice, Big Lynch. Get to talk to, him, get to, talk to John. Nice. Lynch. So we, we get a chance to chop it up and kind of do some of those things, and so I'm excited about all of that. Oh, that's gonna be fun, man. Busy. All right. Is there uh, anything else, Kent? Before we get out of here, we have one more podcast this week. We're gonna do a defensive preview Wednesday night. It'll be out midnight eastern time on thursday and that will be our other podcast this week for move the stick so outside of that just as as bucky said a lot of gm interviews player interviews reactions and it all gets started here soon enough i can't wait it's gonna be a lot of fun all right that's gonna uh do it for us today anything else you want to add buck not not much oh i got a sign to do a mock draft i got a mock draft oh you got one coming up i gotta whip out um i guess i gotta do it tonight tomorrow Uh something i don't know might take your 50 and just kind of sprinkle in. Sprinkle them in there? Sprinkle in oh, some man, stuff I think I have to do up. one right after the combine. You like doing that stuff, though. You like doing it. You like creating. I got a, I got a fun idea for us, though, for a pod. Oh. Uh, a mock. You know, we always do, like, kind of one different kind of a pod. Yeah. So I was thinking about this. Workshopping it. We'll see. Maybe people will listen and give us a better idea. But what about if you had offense, I had defense, and you could only take an offense or defensive players and we just go every other one where it forces those teams to take one side or the other? Oh. I'm okay with that. Kind of fun? Yeah. Then next thing you know, you come up with a kicker-only draft. And we just oh, we're getting it. a thumbs up from behind the glass back there. Kicker, kicker, Is that Bartlett giving us a yeah. thumbs up? Oh, Bartlett. yeah. Anytime, Good idea. Anytime we can put mock draft in something and we can hit and it And that on, will anger. There will be so many fan bases that say, we need a quarterback, but why did we take a defensive tackle? Uh, and yeah. they will totally miss they, They'll miss the it, which will make pod. it even more fun. Exactly. 
Um, all right, let's get out of here. I uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you guys from Indianapolis. We will preview the defensive side of the ball. I guess the bigger question there. is, are we on his open table invite at Ruth's Chris? Zero chance. Oof. Bucky's a table for one kind of guy. Kind of a solo artist. Yeah, he's, he's a solo artist. I kind of go to the bar, yeah. to the bar and just kind of post up. But I did. Let's, no match let's play. Just see, let's no just match see. play. Like, I'm just trying to figure out. What, I, I can't remember what all I did. Let's see what my reservations. Because I made them all while I was doing radio. This is unbelievable. Yeah, I think I have three. Okay, here we go. One, two, three Ruth Chris's on, I mean, you can find me on Tuesday, Friday, and Monday. Then I did Mesh, which is a place. Ocean Air was one of my spots. Ocean Air is a good spot. Salt on Mass, which is new for me. What is that? I don't know. I never tried that. And then there's a Mexican place called Nada in the middle of Indianapolis, which is also good. Mexican food in Indianapolis? What are you, I've been there before. It's what good. You, what are you doing? I watched the game there. On, it, it is what it is. Come on. Come on. Hey, look. I had to feel But look. I got all prime time time. 7 o'clock all, all across, across the board. All across the board? He said, yes. Oh, that's, it's there. That's fantastic. Ocean Air is good. Good spot. Yeah, I like Ocean Air. Uh, and all he's right. riding high, too. His, heart, his Tar Heels beat Duke last week. Oh, That's not a big game for us. Like, it's just another <laughs> yeah. game. We're on to the next one. The beating number one is not a that. big deal. It's not a, you know, it's not, a, it's not a big deal. Like, we expect to do that. Those are things we expect to do. Team. Team, team over individual players. Yeah, we don't worry about that. That's all the Tar Heels right? do. Yeah, that's all we do. We just, yeah. we just clock wins. We're trying to get ready. It's only nine games. Nine games only matter. The ACC tournament and the national tournament. That's the only thing we play for. We don't play for that. My fandom. Oh, man. It's pod, Indiana, pod uh, yeah, and Hoosiers. And what's up with the Hoosiers? They're terrible. It's it's like uh, normally it's Archie fi- Miller. I thought normally Archie it's Miller. 15, 20 games in, I'm out. I was out so early. I haven't paid attention to anything. They lose every game. Yeah, it hasn't been a good year for terrible. my old camp counselors of the drill for skill camp when it was John Miller and his two sons, Archie and Sean. And oh. those guys, it's Kent, not been a good use year. You. We could use you out there in some <laughs> candy what's, what's cane warm-ups. Meanwhile, Tom Crean is down in Georgia. Yeah, he has one conference win. Yeah, he's trying to Does turn he, it around. Yeah. It's going to take a little time. They got a big prospect, though. I don't know. All right, I, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here and go check out, see what Harper's doing, see if he's coming to the pods or not. It doesn't look good. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for us. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com/podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. 
Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.